John Mearsheimer and Stephen Walt, with their controversial paper, The Israel Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy, stirred up a very old pot back in the spring when they released their article, followed by the book. James Petrus also released a book, but his book seemed a little more biased. Today we have with us Grant Smith and his new book, Foreign Agents. Foreign Agents looks at the history of Israel's influence in the United States, tells a fascinating story of the Fulbright hearings up unto the Rosen-Wiseman case, which is coming up this year. Grant, welcome to INN. Thank you very much, Lenny. Grant, your book begins with the late 1950s and the Fulbright hearings and how at that time that um, that committee, Senator Fulbright's committee, was looking at the reason that uh, the Jewish agency and its American counterparts were not uh, being forced to register as foreign agents or agents for the government of Israel. Let's begin here. Certainly. I think uh, the most important thing that Fulbright uncovered in his Senate investigation was that over five million dollars had been funneled in under the direction of APAC founder Cy Kennan uh, specifically to jumpstart and provide seed money to a wide-ranging public relations, lobbying, uh, and outreach activities uh, across the U.S., but particularly in Washington, D.C. And let me interrupt you. What was the goal of these? Were these to spread a positive image of Israel to start... Uh, I, I recall there was a publication that was distributed with the help uh, of the Jewish agency through Cy Cannon. It was public education, but it was also on-the-ground activity. In fact, Fulbright specifically spent a number uh, of his uh, minutes talking about how the lobby was working to undermine a settlement with the Palestinians called the Johnson Plan. So it was more than just education. It was about putting together a group of people who could lobby and get things done in the U.S. At that time, during the Fulbright hearings, it was mentioned that this was uh, a shell game the, before the word money laundering came into popular usage, that this uh, idea of creating these shell companies to therefore uh, insulate itself from having to register as a foreign agent. Uh, this has been something which I believe has been used by Israel all along, would you agree? Well, yes. The whole point of what was going on was uh, the Jewish agency was funneling money through the American Zionist Council, which would then pass it on to lobbyists like Kennan and do all sorts of uh, activities that were not reported to the Department of Justice as required. And that was Fulbright's major point. He kept going over and over again saying, why isn't Kennan registering as a foreign lobby? Why isn't APAC registering as a foreign lobby? And the idea here was if they could set up shell corporations, they could violate the spirit, but they thought not the letter of the law. Fulbright was in disagreement with that. Now, as this progressed, uh, Kennan's organization, I understand, was disbanded, at least in its, in its form, and then the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee began. And uh, can we talk a moment about the growth of influence of APAC? Uh, APAC really blossomed in the 70s and 80s, and the most important accomplishments uh, after being started up with this seed money were really uh, getting elections to go their way and rigging elections. Uh, this came to light in 1986 when it was found that one of their directors, Michael Golid, was rigging the 
86th Senate election race to get Alan Cranston elected uh, to the Senate. Uh, also, in 1986, uh, they began directing, after setting up political action committees, directing them to finance candidates they favored all across the United States. Uh, this was called the Political Action Committee scandal. It broke when the Washington Post published these internal memos in 1989, and uh, APAC was uh, called to account for it when a group of citizens uh, made the Federal Elections Committee investigate APAC for illegally coordinating political action committees. And why were these called AstroTurf political action committees? They're called AstroTurf because it's like a piece of fake AstroTurf. You lay it down in the desert or in the desert of Arizona or on the plains of South Dakota, and even though you don't have any people there, uh, you can funnel money into an election and get your favored candidate into office. The illegality, however, is that a nonprofit organization uh, like APAC is not supposed to be setting those up. It's not supposed to coordinate them. And it was found to be doing precisely that. Although it was not held to account, this went to the Supreme Court. The case lingers in the justice system today. Uh, but although it was found to have acted as a PAC, uh, and illegally so, it's never been required to disclose donors or do any of the registration required of PACs. Grant, you also mentioned uh, what you would call the economic uh, influence of APEC, how they were using this uh, to gain economic advantage in certain military deals, and, and you even mentioned a shoe company deal that was going down that uh, APEC was, was getting very cozy with, uh, with legislators and trying to get inside information to give Israel the advantage in some of these economic setups. Absolutely. In fact, in 1984, people may not be aware of this, but the very first free trade agreement was signed with Israel. By far, it was not the biggest and most important economy uh, we were looking at at that time. But through massive lobbying, uh, it was able to push through a very favorable deal that subsequently shifted the balance of U.S. trade uh, with Israel to a $50 billion surplus uh, and lost, uh, surplus to Israel lost to the United States. The FBI found that uh, APAC had acquired confidential international trade organization documents that it used to lobby. Uh, it had all sorts of classified or confidential information about U.S. companies and their negotiating positions, and it used that against the United States <clears throat> to get this trade deal pushed through. There was a lot of pushback from, as you say, the shoe companies and other organizations and industries that were hurt, but it, it kind of laid the groundwork after not being able to account for FARA violations, uh, future skating around election laws, that it could act with impunity in Congress and that the FBI would essentially not touch it either. It's common knowledge that APEC is essentially working as a foreign agent for the state of Israel. Is that accepted in the Beltway and, and in most political circles? I think there's an underlying understanding that the connections are absolutely there. The history is not very well understood. Let's go back to Senator Fulbright for a moment. Was he uprooted from his Senate seat with influence from supporters of Israel in the United States? 
Uh, absolutely. There was an outright campaign when he ran against uh, Dale Bumpers to position him. I think the ADL called him unfriendly to Israel. Uh, there was definitely lobbying to keep him from ever becoming Secretary of State, although he was probably the most qualified senator to uh, be nominated for that. And he was uh, pushed out of the Senate for this. Before we move into the Steve Rosen, Keith Weissman case, would you uh, be able to outline the influence that APEC has within let's just say all of Congress at this time. How do they get into Congress? How do they have influence? We've heard that some of it is at the staff level. And, and how is this functioning right now? Well, uh, according to one survey, approximately 80% uh, of Congress members, and this is more than 10 years ago, had APAC uh, alumni on their staff. Uh, the Congress is very well uh, aware of the weakness of federal election laws and the fact that this is one lobby they can absolutely not afford uh, to displease. So I would say that their hold on Congress is extremely strong. There's an associated nonprofit group linked to APAC, the American Israel Education Fund, which has sent hundreds of members of Congress uh, to Israel to learn about their issues and to lobby them. In fact, it's the second most visited country due to the subsidy provided uh, by APAC's affiliate. Uh, so I would say their hold is very tight. Uh, and it's not just uh, overt partisans like uh, Lieberman and some of the others who are constantly making speeches uh, about this issue. Before we have to go, let's talk for a moment about the Steve Rosen, Keith Weissman case, which comes back into court in April. This is, uh, to most people who've seen it, a blatant case of APAC's involvement in stealing U.S. secrets. The Espionage Act comes into play. How is this developing? And once again, will those closely associated with APAC be let off the hook? Well, this is a very high-stakes trial, and basically what we're talking about is if Rosen and Weissman, uh, along with their Department of Defense and, and press uh, collaborators had gone forward, we might very well have American sons and daughters fighting a ground war in Iran. This is all about Iran, uh, but when you look at the maneuvers in the courts, we've seen almost two years of very savvy legal maneuvering trying to get this thrown out of court on numerous pretexts. And uh, what we see is that the press is very much in favor of seeing this go away. The Wall Street Journal had a major editorial about uh, how new Attorney General Mukasey's first job should be throwing this out of court. We've seen the Washington Post and others saying that this is about free speech and that these lobbyists are the equivalent of reporters who should not be allowed uh, uh, or denied access to information or any information they can find. And the judge himself has set extremely high standards, although the act that they're being prosecuted under states that uh, they should be shown uh, to have either uh, advantaged uh, a foreign country or harmed U.S. interests, he's insisting that it be shown that these uh, actions taken by Rosen and Weissman uh, actually harmed the United States. So it's extremely 
the case, uh, if it follows any historic pattern, we will not see this ever get to court, certainly not April 29. The Bush administration has too much to lose. The mainstream press has too much to lose. Congress has too much to lose. And, of course, APAC. Each successive presidency, starting perhaps back with the Kennedy administration, has shown more and more favoritism towards Israel. Is there any way in the future of American politics for this to be reversed? I think uh, if we were to begin to see uh, that this blatant lack of law enforcement, that the enforcement of basic laws such as FARA, the Espionage Act, the Logan Act, basic election laws, if uh, American people across every uh, district of the U.S. attorneys began saying, we want our justice system uh, to prosecute violations of these laws. Uh, these laws matter. These laws uh, matter in terms of emptying the treasury, sending Americans to war. Uh, we need you to prosecute and hold people accountable for FARA, Logan, and election laws. I think we could see a change. It's not going to come from politicians, though. Uh, as we've seen, the infrastructure for manipulating and scaring them uh, has been built since the 1950s, and it's not going away absent legal action. Grant Smith, will have to leave it there for today, and this is an amazing book. Foreign Agents, Grant Smith. Thank you so much for joining us in the International News Net. Thank you, Lenny.